It always warms my heart to join my brothers and sisters at Myerstown. Truly a joy to, to be here. There was a young man in a congregation and sometime in the, uh, during the course of the service, there was a time for, for, for corporate prayer. And this young man, for the first time, had the courage to lead out in audible prayer. And during his prayer, he got a few things wrong. He remembers thanking the Father for dying on the cross. He praised Jesus for triumphantly raising the Holy Spirit from the grave, and he stumbled through some twisted theology, and it wasn't going well, and he finally came to that word, amen, and he was done. And he sat down, and he said in his heart, he said, I will never do that again. And I won't put myself in a situation where it could happen again. And furthermore, as soon as the service is over, the exit sign and me are going to be, uh, we're going to be together fast. Nobody's going to stop me and say, young man, you have some things in your theology incorrect. Well, the final amen to the service did happen. And the young man made his attempt for the exit sign, for the door. And it was quite a few people to dodge. And he was, he got around, he, he was getting around people. And lo and behold, he felt it on his shoulder. <laughs> he looked around. Sure enough, an older man's looking right down at him. And he said, years later, he could remember the words verbatim. You want to know the words? The older man said, young man, I want you to know one thing. Whatever you do for the Lord, I'm behind you 1,000%. And he turned and walked away. Got out to his car, and he said, that inner vow or whatever happened in there just kind of weakened and went away. And today, that incidentally, that man is a, a prolific writer and speaker and actually wrote a book on encouragement where I got the story from. So Drew already said the title is Be a Barnabas and a subtitle is Encourage Your Brother and Sister. That is how I got it from the Winter Bible School topic. Be a Barnabas, encourage your brother and sister. Three simple points tonight that I'm going to break it down. Number one, we're going to just take a look at the life of Barnabas. I don't know what you know about Barnabas, but I was blessed and intrigued by studying this man's life. So we're going to look at Barnabas. And secondly, we're going to just look at the subject of encouragement, what it is. And thirdly, we would like to conclude with some practical applications, how you, how I, can be a Barnabas. So that's kind of the, uh, the outline for our topic tonight. I chose uh, 
to just put the scriptures on the overhead or on the projector, not to make us lazy that we don't uh, know how to navigate through our Bibles, but it's going to expedite time a little bit. So here we go. We're going to take a look at Barnabas and we're going to look at the first scripture. And we're dropping in at the early church. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So that's the first time that, you're, that we read about this man, Barnabas. So I just pulled out a few things from the text. So we have the text on the left side of the screen. And from that text, I noted, number one, he is one of the first named of the early church. Worth mentioning? I'm not sure, but I think that's interesting. One of the first named of the early church. Secondly, he was a Levite from Cyprus. Thirdly, this was new to me. Barnabas is a nickname. He was given that name by the apostles. I guess he earned it, right? So he's given another name and sold out for the kingdom. We see that in that he had land and sold it and brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet. And finally, he was very generous, sold out and very, and very generous. Now, I don't know, uh, I'm not sure if you're up to date on real estate prices, but real estate prices, uh, most of the time that I hear figures are just out the roof, and I don't know what they were in Barnabas's day, but I'm going to suggest it was this act was significant. So these are just a few things that we're learning from this man, Barnabas. And I don't know, first glance, I admire the man, right? I really do. So let's fast forward now. Acts, that was Acts 4. We're going to jump ahead to Acts 9. So here we go. Acts 9, a lot happened in Acts 6, Acts 7, Acts 8. But Acts 9... We have this man, uh, Saul, who was a notorious person and an enemy of the church. I don't know how you would respond or how I would respond if I would say, hey, one of the Al-Qaeda men, leaders, is here and he wants to join up with you. Or maybe one of the uh, big names in the ISIS group. That's kind of the equivalent that we got here. Let's read. Saul was come to Jerusalem. He essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So that's the setting. This notorious man Saul showed up and said, something happened in my heart and I want to join you all. What do you think? Are you in? Open arms. Welcome, Saul. You killed my mother. You took my uncle to prison. You... But yeah, welcome, Saul. I, the disciples, I don't trust him. I don't believe it. Barnabas, 
takes him. Well, let's pull out a few things from this text. Here we go again. Number one, somehow this man Barnabas had some discernment and he believed in him. He stood by his side. It would have been one thing to just come and present his case to the, to the apostles, but I get the picture that there's a meeting and the, the apostles are there and the door opens and in comes Barnabas and he's got this man Saul, got his arm around him, they come right up front and Barnabas is his spokesperson he didn't only bring him, he spoke for him and declared unto them what he had seen. So now we're starting to get the picture of this man as an encourager. He is sold out for the kingdom. He is generous and he believes in people or he had, he had some discernment. So again, I am liking what I see in this man called, that we call Barnabas. So, oh, by the way, so they accepted him, and wow, did Saul, or who we know as Apostle Paul, did he ignite? He started preaching, and his preaching was radical. His preaching was so radical that some of the, the Greek-speaking Jews couldn't handle it. And I have not wrapped my mind around why it's the Greek-speaking Jews that said, no way, not happening here in Jerusalem. We're going to kill him. Isn't that ironic? Now the, the killer is sought to be killed. So that's kind of what happened. Well, they let him, uh, they, have, they, had, they planned an escape for him, and they sent him home to Tarsus, his, ho his hometown. So now we're going to fast forward uh, again. We're going to skip over Acts chapter 10, and we're going to drop in at Acts chapter 11. So Acts chapter 11, well, let me just uh, give you a little bit of background. So persecution is happening, and you know, persecution brings, uh, brings challenges, but oftentimes, you've heard this quote that the, that the, the, how is it, the blood of the martyr is a seed of the church. So when the when there is persecution, often what happens is there is a spreading of the gospel that maybe per wouldn't happen if there wouldn't be persecution. Exactly what happened in this, in this era. So the persecution spread the believers. There was a little town of Antioch due north of Jerusalem, and there was some good things happening up there. So let's read it. The tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. And when he had come, he had saw the grace of God. He was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, he would cleave unto the Lord, that they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. I don't know about you, that, that passage is very refreshing. You have a little uh, a nucleus of believers in this town of Antioch that 
are hearing the word of God, responding to the word of God. Good things are happening. And the word gets down to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem says, we need to send somebody up there. Hmm. Barnabas. He's the man. I find that interesting. So let's take this passage of scripture we just read. Number one, uh, Barnabas is chosen. I think that says something about this man we're, we're putting in the highlight tonight. He was chosen to go and encourage the believers up in Antioch. And I, I wondered why they chose Barnabas. Does it have anything to do with, do with his surname? Very likely does. Second thing I see, he was willing to go. So he was chosen to go and he was willing to go. I'm really starting to appreciate this man, Barnabas. Shh, you go. Sure, I'll go. He gets there. Now walk into the Antioch church with me. Don't tell me that they, he saw a clone of Jerusalem. I'm sure some things were a bit maybe out of order. But look what he, does, look what he saw. He saw the grace of God. He saw believers responding to the gospel, and he knew that God was working here. And he, after he saw that, he was glad. And I don't know if that merits a, a spot on, on the screen, uh, just simply glad. I'm going to say it does. I pull that out of the passage. You show me a, you, you tell me about a day that you were really inspired and encouraged by a sad person. Now, we do have valleys in life, don't get me wrong, but there's a reason the Bible says serve the Lord with gladness and not serve the Lord with sadness. So uh, Barnabas pops in at Antioch, he saw the grace of God, he was glad. My simple point, our disposition has a lot to do with the message that we sent. send. So he was glad. And look what he does, and he does it well. He encouraged them. He, and sometimes I don't... Uh, Sometimes I think of encouragement as just kind of like a, a, a back-slapping person. Yeah, you can do it, but I, this was a lot deeper than just a slap on the back. This was, look what he says. I would love to hear his entire message of encouragement, but the snippets that we have in the scripture are, he exhorted them with purpose of heart, cleave to the Lord. In other words, this is not a Brent, this is a marathon. You're going to have to cleave, hold on to the Lord through your life. I am liking this man, Barnabas. He encourages them. So, it had to be great the first day or two at ministry and encouragement at Antioch. But now, remember the man that he brought into the Jerusalem church one day with his arm around? And this man was not trusted Barnabas says, got it. Jerusalem, I should have put a map on the screen. Jerusalem, Antioch, Tarsus. Saul would fit right here. This is his niche. Barnabas goes up to Tarsus, finds Saul, the man that had escaped from Jerusalem because the Greek-speaking Jews wanted to kill him, and said, Saul, you're coming with me. And we're going to have a teaching ministry here in Antioch. And I am going to say that that teaching team was very effective. So effective 
that what it produced, it produced a people that the onlookers looked in and said, they're like Jesus. They're, they're, they're Christians. So I am really liking what I see in this man Barnabas. Very effective teaching team. First called Christians in Antioch. So then they were eventually chosen to take an offering from Antioch down to Jerusalem. But we're going to go ahead and fast forward again. We're going to skip two chapters and we're going to Acts 13. Back to Antioch again. Some things have happened in the meantime. They took an offering down to Jerusalem and so on. But now there was in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers... Actually, I'm not going to read the long list. Verse 2, it says, the Bar- Barnabas, I'm sorry, they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. They fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. They sent them away, and they, being sent forth by the Holy Spirit, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence sailed to Cyprus. So there we have in Acts 13, just a few things out of, out of this passage. Uh, whether it's significant or not, I don't know, but isn't it Barnabas is first named, Saul is last named. I just find it interesting. Uh, by the way, that changes as soon as they go on their ministry trip, on their first missionary journey. Most of the times that you're going to read about the two men, it's flipped from here on out. Not, not entirely, but mostly. So it's Barnabas and, and Saul, and now it kind of switches Barnabas first name, Saul last name. I just find it very uh, interesting that they're called by the Holy Spirit through the church and they're sent away on their first missionary journey. And from here, I believe Barnabas is more of a shadow and support for Paul. I really believe that this man, Paul, had something in his DNA that few people had. And God knew it. But, and God was going to use that in an incredible way for the advancement of the gospel. But just like every apostle Paul needs... A Barnabas, so it is today. There is something that is powerful about a shadow or a support for the men that God uses in the caliper that he uses Paul. So I'm going to suggest that Barnabas had a very significant role in the first missionary journey. So they, uh, they did a, a, a missionary journey. Wow, that was quite a journey. That's not my subject tonight, and I could get carried away with talking about Paul and some of the things that he did, but we're, the, my, my, we want to narrow it down to, to, to Barnabas. But I will note that one of the times on this missionary journey, it got, it got fairly intense, by the way. There was a time where Paul was stoned and left for dead on this missionary journey. There was some amazing things that happened, and I'm not going to try to highlight all of them, but in the course of the missionary journey, there was a young man they took along. His name was John Mark. And at one point, it was at Pamphylia where John Mark said, I'm done, I'm going back, I'm, I, I can only handle so much, and I crossed the line, and I'm heading back. So he headed back. Okay, that's, all, that's all we kind of know at this point, that he had left at, at Pamphylia. So let's move ahead again. And now we're going to chapter 15, two chapters forward. It says, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go and visit our brethren in the city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Barnabas determined to take, them, take with them John, whose surname was Mark. 
And Paul thought it not good to take with take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and he went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended unto the by the brethren unto the grace of God. Thought this is a positive, encouraging message. And there was a time where I kind of wish this wouldn't be in the Bible. Do you ever come across a verse that you just wouldn't wish, or an account that you're just not sure how to reconcile it all? Well, it got pretty ugly. Let's go! Yeah, let's go! Okay, we're taking John Mark. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Yes, and it got, heat, it got heated up. So sharp. Well, I was parked on this verse for a while, and one thing I learned, encouragers sometimes do more than say, yeah, Paul, you got this. Sometimes they say, no, this is not happening. There is a soul at stake. Imagine what would have happened if they said, let's go. Yeah, let's go. We're taking Mark. No, we're not. Okay, that's fine. So John Mark would have been left in the shadows to live with being a quitter. He would have, in fact, it very likely would have defined the man. And I'm going to suggest that you would not turn in your Bibles to the gospel according to St. Mark. But this encourager named Barnabas said, yes, he is. We're not going to leave him to rot. He's got a good heart. He did make a mistake at Pamphylia, but he's all in, and he's, he's willing to go. Well, they couldn't quite reconcile it, but I really believe that Barnabas rescued a man. That's my opinion. I could be wrong on that, but... I just am liking what I see in Barnabas, and I'm going to suggest that maybe that's one time where Paul was uh, maybe not quite correct. But it, it, again, it's a good example of God taking our ashes and making beauty out of them. God does that so well over and over and over and over again. By the way, later in life, Paul will write in 2 Timothy, uh, bring John Mark. He is very profitable to me in the ministry. Isn't that great? God is so good. I'm so glad that nugget is in 2 Timothy that Paul acknowledges that he is profitable in the ministry. So I'm going to summarize. Uh, we're going to leave Barnabas here. Uh, okay, gives Mark, get John Mark a second chance. That's kind of the, what we're pulling out of that passage. Just summary real quick. He's a generous, he, he was, he's generous, he was an encourager, he was willing to go, he believed in people, he was a, he's a great teacher. Without Barnabas, I ask tonight, would there be a gospel of Mark? And furthermore, would there be, what, 12, maybe 13 letters from Paul? Don't know.
All I know is I like what I see in Barnabas, and I'm hoping that this will encourage you to be a Barnabas. I don't think we can ever comprehend the impact that Barnabas had on the church through his what? Encouragement. Son of encouragement is what his name means. Son of consolation. Uh, let's just talk about this word uh, encouragement just a little bit. So the root word is courage. Courage defined. I don't often go to Webster for inspiration, but I actually got some inspiration out of Webster. I really like how Webster defines, defines courage. Listen to this. I'm going to repeat this. The quality of mind, this is courage, the root word, quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, pain, and danger without fear, bravery. Uh, to me, that's packed. That's loaded. I want to say it again. This is what courage is. The quality of mind, get it? It's a mind thing or spirit that enables, equips a person to face difficulty, pain, danger without fear. Question, have you faced difficulty, pain, or danger recently? Or... Do you know someone well that is, is facing or has facing or definitely will be facing difficulty, pain, danger? We know the answer. That's courage. It, it, it's, a, it's a mind that is equipped and enabled to face it without fear. Now, let's talk about prefixes. Two prefixes that all make all the difference. You take the two letters, I mean the two, yeah, the letters E-N, N, and it actually has a meaning. N means to put into and to provide with. Or you put the three letters D-I-S, dis, that's another prefix, that means deprive of, free from, remove, undo. Whoa. Brothers, sisters, do you see the, the impact that you and I can have on the mind of another person? Our words, our actions can help a person face difficulty, face pain, face danger without fear. Or, God have mercy when you when I have did or said things that actually removed, yes, removed from a mind the ability to face difficulty, pain, and danger without fear. So I guess for me this thing is coming up as a huge deal. Encourage or discouraged. Now, it would be a foolish question for me to say, have you ever been discouraged by someone, what they said or did? Yes. A better question is, do you remember when someone encouraged you and put into your mind and it enabled you to, uh, to face whatever, difficulty, pain, or danger, without, and it just encouraged you? Well, Let's do the same, let's make, this, uh, let's make this a big deal and try to do it all over and over again. When, when people face difficulties, they, they do, this, this emotion called fear is big. 
and it is so innate in a human being. It is so, we are so prone to be afraid. Take Adam, when he was, I mean, directly after the fall. Do you you know what the Bible says? He says, I was, what? Afraid. I was afraid. And it says Adam was afraid, and he, what? You know what afraid people do? They, They hide. Fear will cause a person to hide. And it is amazing where and how people try to hide. They often try to hide from who they really are. Oh. And sometimes it takes more than words. It takes truth to encourage. For Adam, in that scenario, you take a man that was afraid, he went into hiding, and God comes along, and God was so interested in his redemption that he called, said, Adam, where are you? And he called Adam. And by the way, that was the beginning of a whole big redemption story that we hold in our hands. Fear causes people to hide, and we can be very proactive in calling people out of hiding and and causing a, a, a mindset to enable them to face difficulty, pain, and danger without fear. So let's quickly look at a few scriptures. Now, I'm not going to make too many comments on these, but Joshua, the son of Nun, this is in Deuteronomy, which stands before thee, he shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. That's uh, Joshua taking Moses' place, and God knew that he needed encouragement. In 2 Chronicles, it says, he command, that's Hezekiah, commanded the people that dwelled in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. And in 2 Chronicles 35, 2, it says, and he, that's Josiah, set the priests in their charges and encouraged them to the service of the house of the Lord. I can't make many comments on that. I just think that is interesting how it's woven through the scriptures. That encouragement is very important. Here we go into the, into the New Testament. Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And I just want to stop there and say, it, it, this is a daily need that we have. It, exhort or encourage, kind of synonymous. If we don't have it, the, the tendency for you and the tendency for me to sin is so real that you need encouragement and I need encouragement. And that's why we're here tonight. That's why we gather. That's why we get together. It goes right into the, the next verse in Hebrews 10. It says, let us consider one another to provoke one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Brothers, sisters, the day that's approaching, do you have any idea what that is? That's the day of the Lord when the Lord comes back. We're told in the scriptures that as that approaches, it is going to be intensify and be more and more of a need. Now, you know what's happening in the world today. 
There is turmoil. There is question marks. There is what is going on. I don't know. I saw a, pic, a touching picture recently before the war broke out in Ukraine that some Ukrainian believers were gathered in the cold and in the snow and they were just getting together to pray. I'm tell, I am guessing, no, I, am, I, I know that something happened when they got together and prayed that there were, they were encouraged to face what they had to face as we speak. And my mind cannot be really fathom what that would be like. I am convinced that it is going to be a need for every area of the world and we should get used to it now. We should get used to the need to encourage, exhort one another so much more as you see the day approaching. And the last verse I have up there is just one on discouragement. Just to throw in there, uh, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. And those of us as fathers, we hang our heads. We do. Because we know that there have been times where we have said things and did things that robbed from the quality of mind for them to face danger, difficulty, harm without fear. Oh, let us be encouragers. Be a Barnabas. A couple practical applications real quick. So the first thing that I would like to, uh, just this is just kind of a general uh, overarching kind of concepts. Number one, look for opportunities. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth me morning by morning. He wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. So I'm not quite sure where the waking up in the morning has, has to, what it's got to do with this, but I think it has everything to do with it because it's in the verse. So I wonder what would happen if you and, and I would every morning wake up and say, Lord, give me the tongue of the learned. How can I speak a word to somebody that is weary today? How can I... And we listen I wonder what would happen in this area of encouragement if we would do that. This is kind of a, 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 a general application. Just look for opportunities. And it starts by waking in the morning and listening. And another thing is looking for good in others. In every good person, there's some bad. This is a quote that I ran into uh, recently. I'm still processing it, but I like it. In every good person, there's some bad. In every person, there's some good. It's all a matter of what you're looking for. Now, at first, I thought, oh, that kind of implies that, well, we don't worry about any bad in any person. We just kind of look for the good in every person and we don't touch the... No, 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 no. Barnabas didn't have that approach at all, right? He was willing to stand up when it's time to stand up. But it really, I think there's a lot of truth in that. So real general application. Look for opportunities. And what are you looking for? If you can look for something bad, you'll find something. Know anybody that all they can see is something bad? Oh... I'm going to guess that you're not going to get a whole lot of encouragement out of them. But show me somebody that's gonna, that, that is looking for good and to uh, cultivate the good. I'm sure you're going to get some encouragement out of that. So I broke this down into, into two categories. We're going to look at some ways that we can do it verbally and then non-verbally. And the verse that I'm using here is death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know that, that 
your words, life or death. It's powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says it. Number one, practical applications, verbal. Call people by name. When is the last time somebody called you by name? And you said, now that ticked me off. He knew my name. I just think there's something about, I don't know what it is. When somebody calls you by name, sometimes like, oh, wow, how did he know my name? We were chatting about this at the supper table one time, and I said, that, it, it is actually a big deal. We should do it as much as we can. Now, I know we can't remember everybody's name. Go into a new church and try to do it. I like Larry Showalter. Remember him? He, I've already said he probably studied the church directory as much as he studied the scriptures while he preached. No, but he, he, he was extremely intentional about seriously calling people by name. And I think that encouraged people. I really do. We were chatting about it at the supper table one time and said, yeah, it's a big deal. And I said, well, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible? I said, yeah, it's in the Bible. And sec, uh, third John, last verse, there, I should have put it on the, on the screen. It simply says, greet your friends by name. So it is one thing that a person can do that is encouraging. I shared this at another church, and somebody came up to me after, the, after it was all over, and he said, I want to tell you a story. He said, this is in the business realm, but there's this businessman that had a name, like a six-syllable name that nobody could pronounce. And, you know, we get ourselves in trouble when we even, I even try to skip over some verses sometime because it's so hard to say their names. Six syllable names, try to pronounce them correct. Anyway, there's one guy in business, nobody could say his name. So this one businessman knew what we're talking about. And he said, I'm going to master that. And he practiced, 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 and he got it. Met him? Mr. And he said the name. And the man broke down and cried because nobody called him by name. Simple thing we can do, call, your, uh, call people by name. Secondly, commend people for character and good work. And this comes easy for some and some, some it does not. I remember, this is pretty far removed from, from, uh, from here. There was a man that told me, he said, I just wish I knew if I was in or out with it at my place of work. And I mean, am I, am I, uh, am I okay? And turns out that I happened to talk to the to the person he was talking about, and he just he loved him and appreciated him, and but he never expressed it ever. And I think I thought how tragic. Well, that's in business, but I just, the simple point is whenever we can, commend people for good character and good work. It's all through the scriptures. Try reading Romans 16 sometimes, name after name after name after name. Greet him, he does a good job. Greet this person. I think we should do well at commending people for good character and good work. Like I said, sometimes it comes easy and sometimes it, it, it's a little harder, but say it, write it. Another way we can do this verbally is uh, be grateful. Say thank you. Uh, have you ever been offended by somebody saying, thank you? <laughs> well, maybe if it was a, a sarcastic thank you, but uh, I mean, 
grateful people are encouraging, period. And ungrateful, period. I am sorry. Ungrateful pe people are discouraging, period. So let's be grateful as we can. Have you noticed lately there's been a shortage of workers? Anybody? Any, you got that? There's a, there's a shortage of workers in the area that I live in. And sometimes it's annoying. I called the bank one day, several weeks ago, and I needed, a, needed a something done over that, uh, that specific day. And uh, she said, uh, sorry, the lobby's closed today. Uh, we're short in staff. Oh, great. I don't know if that, something like that has ever, ever affected you. Uh, and she was so helpful, though. She, would, she said, here's the 1-800 number. Normally, it must be an in, lo uh, in the lobby thing, but let's call the 1-800 number. They'll help you. The drive through is open today, and so on, and so on, and so on. And this is not my norm. It's my, not my default setting. But I, my default setting would be, okay, thanks, you know. But somewhere, the Lord put in my heart to say, thank you. And I said, before, before I hang up, I said, I'd like, can I say one thing? And if you want to get somebody's attention, do that. Uh, she said, yeah. I said, I want to say, thank you for working today. <laughs> thank you. You're, you have chosen to give us service to this community, and I appreciate it. Anyway, it's easy to say thank you when we're really, really, really thankful. But try it sometimes when we don't feel like saying thank you. Come, be grateful. That is another way that we can say uh, be a, an encourage, encourager. Just a balancing statement here. Speak the truth in love. This does not mean for a minute that every everything we say is always, yeah, you got this. You, you're doing a good job. If they're not doing a good job, you can't say they're doing a good job. And actually to flatter somebody is not encouragement. It's not giving them the mindset to go on and face difficulty, harm, and danger without fear. Balancing this by there is a time to be a Barnabas and say, no, John Mark's going with me. And maybe there's a time to say, no, you cannot do that. You will not talk like that. You will, the, the ground you're treading on is dangerous ground. And your sin will find you out. You go on and on. And actually that's encouraging. It really is. may not feel encouraging to the moment. And the last one I have in, in verbal is sing. When's the last time somebody was singing that it was annoying? Well, maybe, 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 uh, maybe there could be an occasion. But for the most part, sing. I remember working, and there was a, uh, there was a lady and her daughter hanging wallpaper. And I wasn't having the best day in the world, but they were singing. And it made a difference in my day. Go into the palace of King Saul, if you will. He was grumpy. Nobody wanted to be around him. They said, hey, go get David. And David comes in, and he starts, what? Singing. And the palace became a different place. Uh, there was a refreshment in the place. Try it. Even when you don't feel like it, sing. I think God's people should be a singing people. Some verbal things, nonverbal. Number one, listen. We are not good listeners by default. And sometimes the most encouraging thing you can do for somebody is just listen. Listen to them while giving a listening ear. Secondly, smile. Yeah. When's the last time a smile just totally annoyed you? A smile can be, can be encouraging. 
A merry heart is like good medicine. I feel sorry for the smokes that, for the for the folks that just can't seem to smile ever. Now I know that I some of us don't want to smile 24/7, but a smile, a radiant glow can be so encouraging. And this is all nonverbal ways to be a Barnabas. Thirdly, sometimes just being there. You know how it is. You're going to the viewing. You're already thinking, what am I going to say? Maybe you don't do that. I do. What do you say? There is nothing to say. You pro- Maybe you were in the line and it was your mother or your father or someone real close to you. I'm going to guess it's not the words you remember. It's that empathy, the sympathy that you can feel. Sometimes it's just be there. And by the way, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I don't think Jesus needed a sermon, did he? Did he, did he, took, did he take his good friends along to get three good point sermons from each of them? Or did he just want some awake friends? Well, they weren't very awake. I think he wanted some people just to, just, just to be there. <clears throat> Maybe this is verbal, but I put it on nonverbal because you can do it in quiet and nobody has to hear you except your father in heaven. But praying is so encouraging and maybe just expressing it to the person that you're praying for happens all the time. I'm guessing in this congregation, texts and uh, go back and forth all the time. Should be praying for you. Know what you're facing, praying for you. God bless you as you prepare to study, as you're preparing to teach on Sunday or preach on Sunday or whatever it is, praying. Fifth, I wonder if you know what it, what, it, what it does to have a hand on your shoulder. And it's not a sermon. I know there were various times where it just... Somebody just came along and just, there is power in touch. And it is a proven fact that the infants that don't experience touch are, I don't want to say handicapped, but they have some real deficiencies. There is tremendous power and encouragement. And of course, I'm talking about appropriate touch. Nonverbal ways to be encouraging. Sixthly, a godly example. Sometimes one of the most encouraging things is uh, just see a, a life that is, is godly. Oh, go into the youth group and you show me a man that stands for what he believes and he's a man. And he has convictions, and he's not going to be swayed back and forth. And I'll show you somebody that is incredibly encouraging. And remember, encouraging is is giving people the quality of mind to face difficulty, uh, pain, danger without fear. A godly example. And uh, number seven is generosity. I know a man in a weak moment said this. He said, I am so overworked and underpaid. Do you ever feel like that? Only to get an incredible financial gift. Sometimes encouragement comes through generosity. 
It can be a gift. It can be an act of service. It can be a card. It can be so encouraging. And I think this is the last one, cooperation. And all I would like to, I'd like to ask, how many of you have ever been responsible to organize an event? And when there is cooperation, it is very encouraging. Need I say more? When there is not cooperation, it can be extremely discouraging. So <clears throat> I am hoping those uh, verbal tips and nonverbal tips will make a difference in our lives as we go from here. I know that it's e easier for some than others. It is a spiritual gift. That's another subject. But it is an exhortation for all of us to be encouragers. And we are called to exhort one another daily as we see the... As we, we see the day approaching. So I'm just asking if you do one thing. Would you please choose somebody right now? Maybe you want to write a name on a piece of paper and just commit to encourage them somehow, some way. And then make it a life practice. And I'll guarantee you it will make a difference in life. Uh, where is... Drew, or am I just going to uh, do I turn it back to somebody or okay okay one story if I can and then I'll then I'll turn it over turn it over to Nate so our youngest son was with his mother at a grocery store when he was pretty young and he was a little timid and little shy and he was like little, big boys do little boys do they pick he picked something up and he put it in, in mom's car. And a passerby said, wow, you're strong. And Joy said, that boy lit up and he got the next thing like, you talk about it. It's like he could have almost picked up the car. I wonder what would happen if we would get really serious about encouraging and just over and over and over again. Speak words of encouragement into people's life. I think we're going to help them face the future with a mind that can face difficulty, pain, and danger without fear. Will, will you be abundant? Father, bless this congregation and help us to be encouragers for the need of Jesus.